Hey everyone, welcome to my show, my so-called fabulous. I'm Tiffany Blackman and welcome, welcome everyone today. And boy, do we have a show for you today. I have a fellow podcaster on with me and that, you know what, that is so fun because they get me, they get me, right? I am talking to you, we are talking to you about women's health and I have for you Dr. Carolyn Moyers with Sky Women's Health. <laughs> I was pointing to you. I'm like, and Women's Health. So Sky Women's Health. So welcome, Dr. Moyers. Thank you. It's a privilege to be here. Oh, it's such, a, it's such an honor. And I'm so happy to have you to discuss women's health because I have been talking for, it feels now, okay, 76 episodes uh, in between, all around and, and in between about menopause. And my audience, my demographics are the age 18 to about 42, 44. So that's a huge, huge part of my demographics. Right. They're not in postmenopause. Right. Is that correct? <laughs> Shouldn't that's be, right? right? They're shouldn't. in their childbearing years. Yeah, this is true. So it's different. So when you and I connected, I thought, oh my goodness, this is so fabulous because I was reading your resume, reading your bio, reading all about Sky Women's Health and thinking, this is perfect because I have a 22-year-old and so many young women from TCU in and out of my life, plus some of my friends. I mean, we're all in our 50s have these young women and um, they need to know and I'm not giving them the, the information. So you are a wealth of information. So welcome. Fantastic. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Tell me about your podcast. So my podcast is Sky Women, named similar to my practice, Sky Women's Health. And the idea was just to reach women beyond the exam room, right? I can only see so many patients a day. So opening that up and just being able to talk real talk, right? The ideas of real women, real lived experiences, right? I think there's power in our shared lived experiences. So I've had previous patients on, fellow doctor friends, lawyers, just a number of, you know, it just sure. it, it covers the spectrum, right? Of our lived experiences as women. That's right. Now, you... Talk to me about this. I've had several physicians on my show and they have gone into private practice. I want to make sure I'm saying this correctly. They have made the shift from corporate to private practice slowly through the years. And they, they are telling me that they just can't handle the capacity of patients that they're expected to see. Is that, is that, is that real? It's real. I, it's a, burnout in among physicians is true. I mean, it is, it is significant. And, um, I just did a cohort, um, in the winter of empowering women physicians with, um, Dr. Sunny Smith, and it was phenomenal, but blew my mind to see the level of burnout in these highly educated women who are, are feeling defeated in the system. Wow. I mean, and that is, I, I, I mean, I cannot even imagine the education, the classwork, the residency. The, I, I don't even know. I can't even imagine the brain. And I know we all are gifted and we stay in our lane and we are so gifted in our areas. And then you get to your career and you quickly burn out because you're 11 years in your practice and in practicing and you have hit it, right? Have you? Well, you have four yeah. children. She has four children, everyone. <laughs> There's that. I'm busy. <laughs> so whenever I came out, I knew I wanted an employed position. I was like, I didn't go into business school. 
I wanted to really hone my craft, right? So I knew that about myself and I enjoyed five years employed. And at that point I was having my third baby and I just needed a pause to spend some time and give some attention to my kiddos and really, um, treasure those young years. And so I felt like I was at the height of my career and the things that I wanted to accomplish and become robotically trained, et cetera. And so taking that pause, I just said, well, I'm going to do hospitalist work to keep my foot in the door, but really kind of lean into my family at this phase in my life. Sure. Right. And so I've had a couple of different opportunities over the years where I did hospitalist work and I was their medical director. And then I had an opportunity to help develop a gen program for a hormone replacement therapy clinic. And I hired my recruitment. <laughs> I re- recruited my replacement um, rather, and then went back to full-time hospitalist work. And that is an extreme grind in the middle of COVID. Hospice. No, hospitalist. I was about so, to say. OB, I'm like, whoa. OB, OB hospitalist. There, I want to clarify that. Yeah. Okay. So 24-hour shifts in the hospital, seven to eight shifts a month. Okay. And it's a grind. A grind. And especially COVID changed everything in the hospital. Right. So it went from this like second home to every corner was a potential. Sure. You were worried about bringing COVID home to your family. I mean, it's just so intense. Like we even contemplated, do I need to live somewhere else for this time period? Oh gosh. But this last year was really a period of growth for me. And I did a lot of coaching and mindset work and really kind of digging deep into what I've done to this point and what I want that next step to look like and what I wanted the longevity of my practice to look like. And so I wouldn't say it was so much burnout is just this innate feeling like there's something more. There is a way to practice where I can really serve on my own terms. And I love having time with patients. The thing that I love most are the stories, women's stories, Mm -hmm. and really empowering them in their lives to live their best life, believing in themselves. And, you know, there is an art to medicine and going to osteopathic medical school you learn mind, body, spirit, right? That there we are, it's all interconnected. And coming back to that and really giving women a space to be heard, a space to be valued has just been so meaningful. So I had a patient who left this week and messaged my nurse almost immediately after and said, I have never felt so taken care of and so heard. Yeah in a clinical setting, like, just thank you so much. And that just makes everything worth it. Right. I mean, how did that empower you? Right. (laughs) It feels so good. It does. Um, But I feel like I spent the first couple of years of early, having two 21 months apart, you know, Mm -hmm. and just this early motherhood phase of just like, I'm always tired. And I just lost my footing. Mm -hmm. I felt very uncertain about what was going on. And I think a lot of moms find themselves there. Oh, absolutely. And I just did a a podcast on mom guilt. I mean, I mean, yes, it's a thing. It's And and a dad thing too. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a thing, but it starts from that positive pregnancy test. You know, I mean, I don't know how many times in the ER when I counsel a woman who's having a miscarriage and I say, it's not your fault. You didn't do anything to cause this. And that is when they absolutely lose it because that's the thing that they're really 
thinking in the back of their mind mm-hmm. is that this is my fault. I did this. Oh, the yeah. mom guilt starts early. Yeah, I, you know, it starts very early. I had a miscarriage and I have a friend that just recently went through and she's still, I'm like, you didn't, I mean, in you at the time, you can't think there's a reason you can't, like you can't even, it was like, oh gosh, I exercised too much or I did this or I ate Right. It's the Something. deodorant I was using. <laughs> exactly. It's like, mm-hmm. Yes. Everything. It is. It is. And so, you know, that being heard, and I have to admit, now that I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here looking, I just had an epiphany. I didn't feel heard when I had my baby. Like, I didn't feel heard. And um, I am not saying male, female, what, but... I don't even know what, how do you even explain that? Because there's fabulous, fabulous male doctors that, that deliver babies and, and so on and so forth. But you've not had a baby, right? right. I know, I know. I, I've told this story so many times. I just had the Mona Lisa last year for vaginal rejuvenation. Right. So I asked the doctor I was seeing at the time, if I'm now, now we've, we've filtered two, through two more. He was, he's, a, he's a male. And so I said to him, I said, so does it hurt? And he goes, I don't know. I've never had it happen. I'm like, that perfect. I mean, of course he goes, ask her. Well, she's pregnant. She's never had it happen. I mean, it was, at, at least he was honest. He was very honest. And it was, it was, it was a comic relief. And I, he's like, I don't know. I have never had it done. <laughs> I don't have a vagina. I have a penis. So, so, you know, it, it to me, I would steer my daughter into the female. That, that, to have a baby or an OBJ. Yeah, I think there is something to be said for women taking care of women. I yes. There, I mean, not there are plenty of fabulous, compassionate OBGYNs. Enough said. Yes. Right. Exactly. Moving on. Okay, tell me about your practice. All right, so you have two arms to your practice. So yes. tell me about that. Yes. Yeah, so Sky Women's Health was really born out of just this desire to almost practice like I did when I was in small town America, right? Where I knew my patients so well and they could text me, they could call me, you know, we were just, it's just such great relationships and this level of trust. So I have two arms to my practice. One is taking care of women who are pregnant and postpartum, providing osteopathic adjustments to help them feel their best in their pregnancy so that they can enjoy their pregnancy and their newborn on their terms, right? Because women are tired of hearing it's just discomforts of pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And I did a neuromusculoskeletal medicine fellowship right out of med school. And it just came to me in this last year as I was really digging into like, what do I want to do next? That this is a skill set as a board certified OBGYN where I can really help women. Mm -hmm. I mean, hearing, yeah, it just sucks to be pregnant. It's Mm -hmm. just, it gets old, right? Mm -hmm. And so women now are saying, I'm sleeping better. I can pick up my toddler again. I'm back on my yoga mat and I'm feeling great. I can get through my work day without excruciating pain. You know, I have a little bit of pain in the evening, but it's nothing that some Tylenol PM doesn't take care of. And so just the results that I'm seeing are so fabulous. And I love hearing, I wish I would have seen you sooner. Wow. Like what took me so long to get here? <laughs> so would it be something like, like I'd, I had severe, severe sciatic pain on yes. my left leg. Yeah. So you could help rectify that. Absolutely. So not only do I do an adjustment of the spine mm-hmm. and the hips, but we're lengthening and strengthening those muscles so that we, it's longer lasting. And I'm teaching women stretches that they can do that will help them so that they're really feeling great two to three visits in, but generally because of the metamorphosis that we go through in pregnancy, right? right? And postpartum. They're seeing me throughout the duration. Once they see me and they're feeling better, they're like, I'm going to keep doing this. I'm in. 
I'm in. And so they see me through their postpartum period. Do they really? Yeah. And I can do neonatal adjustments as well. I saw that on your blog. Tell yeah. me about that. That is amazing. Yeah. You know, it's really sweet. You're, you're, wait, her, uh, you can't see her, but her face just lit up when, when she mentioned neonatal. Okay. Well, one of my favorite parts of a postpartum visit anyways is getting to snuggle the baby. Oh, <laughs> no. This is personal. So, it's so sweet, though, because it's just craniosacral adjustments. Very easy, removing restrictions in their body. And, you know, they're little wiggle worms anyways. And so I just hold on to them and I do these little adjustments. And if they get fussy, then mom lays down and I put them on mama's chest. And we just do the adjustment with baby, you know, nuzzling up against mom. Wow. Yeah. That is amazing. And I, I honestly, Dr. Moore, I've never heard of this. I mean, I've never heard of anyone doing this. Yeah. Good. Hopefully. I'm here to fill a gap. <laughs> She's here to help. That is incredible. Okay, so there's that arm. Yeah. All right, there's yeah. that arm. You've got that arm. Right. And then I, the other piece is really boutique gynecology. And I don't say that to, you know, say that it's out of anybody's realm, but um, when I call it boutique, it means that it's just really personalized, customized care. And whatever it is. So one of the questions that I often ask women in their well woman visit is, what is that one thing in your life that's keeping you from living your best life? So this is after we've had like our full discussion and I kind of got our healthcare goals and we're going to do our exam. And I asked them this question and I am floored at the things that I learn. You know, it's often food allergies. Like, how do we figure this out? My anxiety, you know, it's, it's never what they came to see me for, right? <laughs> really? So they're, they're sharing with you. Absolutely. They trust you. Oh, they trust me. So it's really beautiful because it is, you know, I take this mind, body, spirit uh, connection very seriously. Um, we are more than just a physical diagnosis, right? And whenever we talk about healthcare, I think that shared decision-making is so important, right? And what does that mean? Well, that's, you know, I'm going to inform you, but I also have to take into account where you are emotionally, what your thoughts are, where we need to go here is a shared decision. Mm -hmm. So you're never going to be pushed or bullied one way and you get the time and the space. So because I'm not delivering babies in this practice, we run on time. So, you know, when you show up, you're not going to be waiting two hours. You're going to come in. You're going to have your 30 minutes or an hour appointment, whatever is scheduled, and we're going to take care of business. So it is not for anybody who wants to be superficial and have a quick five minute visit right? <laughs> because we get into it. We get into the thick of it. Right. And what is the approximate length of your visit with, say, I came in? What would be? Yeah. First patient, first patient. appointments. Ugh. Yeah. Are typically 45 minutes to an hour okay. and then return. You know, sometimes we just do telehealth when we need to like go over results, sure. et cetera. And those can be, you know, 15 minutes to, to 30 minutes or whatever. Um, but you know, typically return visits are 30 minutes unless it's procedure that might take longer. Right. Right. Yeah. So full gynecology services. Wow. Boutique gynecology. I love that. And I, and you know, you hear this in so many practices, what's going on. And, and again, I have a lot of friends my age that are practicing or just, you talk about the burnout. I have precious friends that their daughters, my daughter's age, and they they advised her not, she wanted to be a doctor. I mean, that's all she wanted to do. I want to be a doctor. Yeah. And they're like, don't do it. Don't do it. Ugh. She's a nurse. She's a nursing school now, but 
you know, that just breaks my heart. Yeah. Cause it is a beautiful profession. I mean, I think if I were going to advise anybody young and considering the career, I think you just have to follow your heart one. And there's always a way to work within the system or outside the system, depending. I mean, I'm in a, uh, entrepreneurial physician class that I've been, I, when I started my practice, I signed up for this mm-hmm. course and it's just this cohort of physicians who are thinking outside the box who are serving and earning on their own terms. And it's so nice to have a cohort and see that there are other alternatives than academic medicine or typical private practice. Mm -hmm. I know. And it's, it's amazing. I, you and I were talking before the show, I, um, with my hormone journey beginning, well, always have hormones, but when perimenopause about 40, 45, I just, I, to find the right person to listen to me, because I read too many books and knew that there was alternatives. And I, you know, I finally found the right person for me, you know, but it takes a long time. It's a journey and I'm, I am postmenopausal. And yeah, you I, know, so what I'll say about that is I feel like that peri and postmenopausal women are really being taken advantage of. Ugh. And so I am a firm believer of evidence-based medicine. And I think that you need to be, a smart shopper whenever you are embarking on hormone replacement therapy. 1000% because I have fallen into the trap of not doing my research on board certifications, experience. There's that, right? I mean, absolutely. I mean, experience is worth so much. And I sometimes feel like it's, um, you know, on, on every corner, there is, there is a, there's a gas station. It's, I feel like we're getting to that with hormone therapy. And right. if I'm, if I'm right, I, I really clinics. do feel it because I was looking for someone. I moved from Austin, had a fabulous woman in Austin. Mm-hmm. Fabulous. Actually, I was here, Fort Worth, had a great woman, moved to Austin, fabulous, moved back to Fort Worth, went out of practice, blah, blah, blah. But I was in COVID in that Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I'm in estrogen dominance. I'm this, 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 because I was overprescribed. I was pellets that was not good for me. Okay. I'm going to say this to you, to those people. I have probably half of my friends that love pellets and the other half that like myself did not work out. And it would have been great for me if it had been convenient, but it didn't. And I think I was over pelleted. <laughs> Does that make sense? Uh, absolutely. My breasts were on fire. You absolutely. know what I'm saying? So there's that, you know, you're right. So I think yeah. that what you're, to your point, women are being taken advantage of and men. I mean, and yes. men. Yeah. You yeah. know, testosterone clinics Ooh, are on the all right over the place. I, that's true. That's true. Okay. So let's address, if you don't mind, I want to talk about young women that are certainly not where I am, but for example, birth control pills. Um, I have someone in my life that she's on birth control and bleeding like three months out of three weeks out of the month. Um, it seemed like every time she was talking to me and again, as a podcast host and an influencer, people do reach out to me. It seems like every month her insurance or the pharmacy, it's a different brand of Susie or leprechaun or whatever brand of, of birth control. What is going on there? And is there an alternative? You know what I mean? I mean, they, I mean, that birth control is a thing. You have to have it. 
Right. For, well, for many reasons. So in our young sexually active population, I am a big fan of long acting reversible contraception because the provider puts it in and you're done for three to five years, right? If it works well for the patient. Um, anytime you start a new hormonal method, it may take three to six months for your body to kind of level out. And so keeping a menstrual diary is super helpful not only for you, but for your provider, because then we can actually know what's going on because our recall tends to be pretty poor. Wow. Okay. (laughs) So keeping a menstrual diary is super helpful. There are so many options um, for birth control, for preventing pregnancy. And then there's the whole STD prevention, right? But when it comes to actually combined hormone hormonal contraceptive pill, like you're talking about a birth control pill, you know, the majority of population calls it, um, getting the brand name often is helpful, especially if you're getting the runaround and getting a different generic every other month, because you're not, she's not getting the steady state of hormone. And so you want to have the same hormone level, um, to kind of avoid that. And if it's, if she's bleeding that often, it's not the right birth control for Mm-mm. her. And if you're not getting answers or you're not feeling heard by your provider, you get a second opinion. Wow. So this is where I really want women to know that they need to advocate for themselves. Yes. It's so important. Whenever you have a pap smear done or SGD screening, or you have screening labs, ask for a copy. You keep that copy. Uh, whenever you go to a new OBGYN, get them your records, whether you email it to them, you fax it to them, you take it with you to your visit so that they know your history. Keep a running log of your medical complications or what, you know, do you have a medical diagnosis? Are you taking any medications? Have you had any surgeries? You know, those are kind of like basic things that you really need for your OBGYN. Um, in addition to that, I would say, don't leave the office without having your questions answered. So make your list ahead of time if you have questions and don't be scared to speak up. Right. Education is a big piece of medicine. So don't be scared to speak up and ask your questions because nothing grates me more than a patient leaving and having no clue what's going on or what the follow-up is. So get your questions answered. Don't leave without knowing what your follow-up plan is. And if you don't feel heard, get a second opinion. How young should you start seeing an OBGYN? Great question. So ACOG says somewhere between 13 and 15. 13 Um, and 15. Well, I feel like, you know, and a lot of, I've gotten into this with some pediatricians who are like, oh, you know, they don't really need to see you that early. It's more about them having a relationship with somebody they can trust, you know? So I just taught a class um, with Girlology on Sunday, which is a mother-daughter puberty class. And their idea is eight is great. So eight to start talking about the puberty and the changes, because when we empower girls to know what's going on with their body before they go through puberty, they have less fear. Wow. Eight is great. That is amazing. Right? I love that. I mean, I wish that somebody would have given me this information whenever I was that young. I had <laughs> no no clue. I thought that I was bleeding internally whenever I started my period because my brother had stepped on my stomach that day. <laughs> what a jerk. <laughs> you know, little brothers. Oh, no. Did your mom explain to you? 
I mean, we had had a sex ed class, but you know how it's like one period. Yeah. Like one period in the day in seventh grade. Seventh grade is a little too late, right? You've got changes going on already. Yes. So, you know, I love being that source of like a a starting point. Mm -hmm. Like, let's start having these conversations. Let's educate you about your body so that you know what to expect. It's more about having that relationship. So your first um, visit to the gynecologist typically doesn't even need an exam. It's usually a talking visit. And like, hey, here's what a speculum looks like. And this is why we use a speculum. Mm -hmm. That's just information that... You know, re- you get rid of the fear whenever, no more, fear less. Right. <laughs> That's the girlology motto. I really love that. You know, my daughter, um, that was, so her, so her, her pediatrician said, okay, let's go ahead and get her on to, and she had not had sex. And that was when you, they, okay, they say, y'all say, if you've had sex, then you should have a pap, a pap smear or is oh, that? that's old data. Is it old data? I'm just, yeah. yeah. See? So now we do not do paps before the age of 21. What? Stop it. Yeah. 21. And it's every three years. And so I, I am just like, wait, yeah. stop. And over 30, you do PAP plus HPV. That's called co-testing. And if it's both negative, you can go every five years. Okay. Because we've learned so much about cervical cancer and HPV. Okay. Wait, wait, stop. I, I'm just, <laughs> wait, but I'm, st- I'm, I'm at the every year mark. Yeah. Well, you don't have to be if you have a negative PAP and negative HPV, but some women, that is their comfort level. Okay. That's yeah. what we've always done. And um, I'm not changing it. Old school right? here. Okay. Or I've heard my friend had, you know, they've had that experience where they're not willing to wait and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, wow. You can have a PAP every year if you want to. Hey. It's fine. It's not fun. Mm-mm. Not <laughs> But fun. you could also go. Now, we still recommend an annual exam. Okay. Whether you need a pelvic exam at that annual exam can be a shared decision making again. Wow. But I prefer just because we don't have a good, we have good screening for cervical cancer, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, endometrial cancer typically will give us some signs, right? The irregular bleeding, heavy bleeding, postmenopausal bleeding. Mm-hmm. We get those early signs. Don't ignore them. Okay? No, no. But we have no decent screening for ovarian cancer. Mm-mm. So I kind of prefer that we do a pelvic exam annually because at least I can feel yes. if there's any mass a, you know, next to your uterus, if mm-hmm. I feel anything enlarged, or if there's any unusual symptoms, if there's any suspicion, if I am even thinking down that road, I'm going to get an ultrasound and just take a look. Now, Dr. Moyers, is this, okay, I'm going to say this, and I'm going to try to say this the right way. So, okay, with boutique gynecology, would you, okay, when would you personally you're not doing, but you're not doing pap smears anymore, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, 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 you yeah. Are. Okay, okay. Yeah, full okay. service gynecology. Full service. That's right. <laughs> Boutique. I love it. So you, you would still do the 13 range, have them come in, have an annual. What would you say to my daughter at 22? What would you, you would have her come in. What would you, you just have her come in. Would you do a pap smear? She's had yeah. one. Wait, I don't know if she had. Yeah. Yeah, if she if her pap smear is not up to date, yeah, I would recommend a pap smear. Okay. Um, I would teach um, self-breast awareness, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, because breast cancer is a real thing, one in eight women, right? So yeah. um, we go over STD, you know, how to practice safe sex, um, you know, general wellness and health. Mm-hmm. Um, 
body image and empowerment. Um, there's just a lot of things that I cover in a well woman visit. So it's not just, oh, let's do your breast and pelvic exam. Mm -hmm. See you next year. Yeah. 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 It's really a, a stronger relationship. So like, I mean, just personal experience. I had a woman who ha I've seen in the past and deliver her to babies. And she reached out to me yesterday with this lengthy text. And I said, let's schedule a telehealth visit today and go over all of this, you know, surgically menopausal, mm -hmm. miserable, mm -hmm. just got pellets last week. And it's like, did I make the right decision? And so, you know, just having a, a space where you have a trusted provider who will go over all of it with you. I'm like, okay, let's go through the whole history symptoms. What are you currently doing for therapy? What do I think about that? Where do we go from here? Yeah, I, I'm sitting here thinking of things I want to ask you for me, but this is about young women's health. <laughs> I was going to ask her about, I do want to ask you someday. I will well, ask you now about hysterectomies. What do you think? There's, there, I had two doctors just want to take all my parts out this summer. It was not necessary. Well, I mean, it, totally depends you don't on, even know. You well, don't. I mean, it totally depends on the patient, right? I mean, some people reach that point where they're just absolutely sick of bleeding and they've mm -hmm. done everything under the sun mm -hmm. and they're like, I'm done. Right. Take it. I'm not using it. Take mm -hmm. it. <laughs> but then there's this whole debate of, do we take the ovaries or do we leave the ovaries? Because you'll be surgically menopausal. And we know that those ovaries continue to work for mm -hmm. many, many years. And so it just opens this can of worms. So I can't give you a blanket statement yeah. about a hysterectomy. Do I love doing hysterectomies? Absolutely. But are they necessary for all women? Really? No, there's so many options. Yeah. So yeah. many options. There's so many options. I know. Oh, gosh. I know. Okay. So I'm going to take you back to STDs. We were just talking about that. And I didn't realize after having multiple doctors on here, I would think that people are wearing condoms. I'm just would think, even if a woman's on birth control, like that was just, I thought everyone was doing that because I've watched my daughter go through how, how many years of education now and going on to grad school thinking, okay, they've got that. Like they know to wear a condom. My daughter and all her friends at spring break explained to me, no, they are guilted into not wearing a condom. Not that someone not wearing a condom. And so I didn't realize that that was like, I thought we were doing that, Dr. Moyers. I mean, God, no, they're not. What the heck? <laughs> it really is dependent. You know, I, I highly recommend it. And I tell every female who enters my doors when we have this talk, right. you know, that condoms are an absolute must, um, to protect against sexually transmitted infections. And even then, yeah. you know, like HPV, it could still get on the genital, even with a condom, but you are giving yourself your best chance at avoiding gonorrhea, chlamydia, mm, HIV, yeah. <laughs> all mm -hmm. of the things. Condoms mm -hmm. are a must and they go on after Mm -hmm. Can I say <laughs> the penis is hard? Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, they go on after the penis is hard before any penetration. Right. Absolutely. Every time. Every time. Mm -hmm. And I don't understand. I, I had a, a debate with a young man the other day and it was it was a short debate because I couldn't. But he was saying to me that he should not be responsible for the child if she chooses to have the child. I thought. I, I had to just, I had to, I had to, I had to just politely say, I got to go. I mean, because, yeah, what? I mean, no, you have a responsibility mm -hmm. in that as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, you do. You do. And I, and I, 
baby's hard. I mean, we, I, my producer, Paul is shaking his head because he has single-handedly raised a son. And, yeah. um, it's, it's Paul, what do you think about that? I think he's an idiot. <laughs> it's 50, 50. You can't just choose whether you want to take care of it or not. If you don't want to take care of it, then you can, you know, you, I think there's some really corrupt things going on with child support. Sure. I really, really do, you know, but I, just because you don't feel like it doesn't mean you don't have to take responsibility for it. Right. I mean, that's like, I, I don't, that's like saying that, ah, you know what? I don't feel like going to jail, so I'm just not going to do it for that's that crime. Not, that's right. Yeah. I just, I'm sorry. That's just, yeah. that's, that, that like really hits me hard. Yeah. No. Because that's just dumb. Yeah. And that sounds like someone that unfortunately wasn't raised the right way. Right. And and then there's just being selfish too. Right. Yeah. I just, I just, I couldn't believe, I just, as soon as, whenever everything happened with me, with, with, with my son, the second I found out that I was going to have a kid, I was like, okay, well, that's half of me and let's go to the doctor. Let's get this baby healthy and everything like that. That's my first instinct. Of course I was scared. Well, yeah. You know, right. but to have that just like, oh no, I'm out. Mm-mm. Oh my gosh! No, but that's you, and and and, and I, I just was shocked. And this is just this young man is a TCU graduate, <laughs> so I mean it's brilliant, you know. I mean, yeah, just- it's not fair that women have to carry that burden, right? And that scarlet letter, mm-hmm. it's it's not fair. So I absolutely believe that condoms are an absolute must. And you know what? Women value yourself enough that if they are unwilling, mm-hmm. I don't care if they guilt you. Sorry, uh-uh. condom or no business, right? right? Closed for business. Yes, and that's what you were saying when you have the young women in your practice. That's what you're coaching them. Empower yeah. themselves. Yeah. Think enough of yourself yeah. to say, forget it. Right, right. I mean, seriously. Well, and there are female condoms. Yes. I will bring that up. I, I, you know, personally, I'm like, gosh, that seems awfully messy and cumbersome. Right, right, right. It's because, I, that, I mean, I haven't looked lately. I don't need them, but I mean, I really don't. <laughs> I don't, but I mean, what, what's the deal? I mean, why? I mean, it's just, it's not an option. <laughs> not an option for these young women, I can imagine. I can't imagine her being like, pause, let me put this. <laughs> exactly. Know? I, I mean, know. I know. To right. each their own. I mean, but you know, if, if you want to do the deed, you got to wear a condom. Yes, you do. That's yeah. the end of story. Okay. Just, just, just wear a condom. I just couldn't believe it. My, these girls were looking at me going, are you crazy? But I just thought that was just a given. I really did. We need better sex education. We but do. That's for another we topic. We do. Another, day. another podcast. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I need you to explain because you know my age of, of, of uh, followers. Yes. They all know what HPV is. My mom is deceased, but she would not know what HPV is. Could you explain that? Because there is a population that doesn't know. Yeah, human papillomavirus. And this is the virus that we have identified that causes cervical cancer. Now, there's types 6 and 11, which are benign, and they cause genital warts. Nobody wants genital warts either, right? So that's why condoms are important. Mm -hmm. And then there's a whole myriad of high-risk HPV that causes cervical cancer and it's sexually transmitted. 80% of individuals who are sexually active are going to get HPV at some point in their life. So when we first learned a lot about it, everybody's shaming someone when they come up with an abnormal pap or HPV, right? right. And we have to stop the shame. Like it is so common. And is whether it? you've had one partner or five partners, they've had partners, you were exposed. Yeah. You're, yeah. So now we have... A, 
Gardasil, an HPV vaccine that prevents cervical cancer. Okay, help me out here because when Kennedy was younger, much younger, her pediatrician gave her the shots for HPV. Yes. They were in a series of... Yes. I can't remember, but I do remember the Three, shot. and now we can give two if it's given before 15. Okay. And she was younger. She was much younger, of course, not sexually active. And so that was good. So is she Absolutely. protected? Mm-hmm. She is. It's done deal. Well, I mean, nothing is 100%, but it is very high. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. That is great. Yeah. Yeah. Now, is there a population that's not getting the shots because it's a choice, right? Wait, is it a choice or is it a law in Texas? No, it's a choice. Yeah. They have just raised, raised the age limit to 45. And so those of us who were not of age to get HPV vaccine <laughs> whenever it first came out can now get it. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Should I get it? No. Probably not. And you're, yeah. I mean, yeah. My husband. I mean, yeah. That's it. Yeah. It's just one. I wouldn't recommend it for you at this point. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Yeah. I don't need anything else going in this body. Of course, Dr. Moyers. Of course. Well, HPV, that is so interesting. But this is just females, right? Or can you? No. No. See? Males too. Who knew? Of course. Right. And yes, I remember getting a call and a, a friend shaming his girlfriend because she was HPV positive. I'm like, she probably got it from you. Oh, my stars. <laughs> yeah. So my oldest son has been vaccinated. Has he? Absolutely. Really? Oh, yeah. And, and he's, he hates needles. So he's like, mom, why am I getting this? And I'm like, penile cancer, genital warts. He's like, okay. Got it. Okay. And how old is he? <laughs> he's 16 now, but this was when he was oh, 12. <laughs> oh, oh, you were speaking his language, right? Oh, wow. I had no idea. I did not know that. So they just get it from their doctor. Well, you can, I mean. Yeah. Pediatricians. Pediatrician. Yep. Wow. I didn't know that. Or the health department. Wow, that is amazing. Okay, okay. So tell us about, okay, we'll go back to the birth control. There are so many ways. There's so many different, there's the pill, which we all, which is what I did. And then I, I just couldn't take it because gain weight, puffy, bitchy, all the dwarfs, all, <laughs> all of them. But I chose not to and just the condom. Um, and then I did use the Nuva ring. Is that still a thing? Mm-hmm. But when I would go potty, Poo, number two, it would come out. Oh, well. Yeah, that's, that's a problem. Fine. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, that's my Nobody wants to fish their new ring out, <laughs> out of the, the toilet, <laughs> right? I mean, that's a sexy thing. But it's, it's a it's a thing. I mean, I mean, seriously, that yeah. I, I didn't know if it was still out or if they made it yeah. new and improved. Yeah. <laughs> the pill, the patch, the ring, the depo provera injection, our long acting reversible contraception. There's just so many options for birth control. So if you haven't found the right one, just keep at it keep going. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And if you don't feel like you're being heard with your provider, get a second opinion. I mean, that, that, that's, that's what's key. I think, I mean, because there's so many great resources and there's people like you that are so passionate about this. Good grief. Now, long and painful periods. I had that. My daughter has that. I mean, I don't think it's the pain. It's just forever. Like, yeah, I think that you have to find out what's the cause, what's the root cause. Right. So if we have diabetes or a thyroid disorder, that can be causing abnormal bleeding. Right. If you have an endometrial polyp, there could be something structurally or hormonally. So you just need a full workup to figure out what's causing the abnormal bleeding. Wow. Now, you know, I don't think I did a full lab panel 
until I started perimenopause. So 40-ish. Yeah, I know. I know. I feel like there's the, this big gap between your pediatrician and when you become ill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So many of us use our OB-GYN as our primary care. Yeah. Right? And some OB-GYNs do primary care great. But OB-GYN is just so big. There's just so much, right? We're delivering babies and we're doing surgeries and we're all over the place. And so, I mean, you don't have a lot of time for that primary care stuff. So getting in with a good PCP, especially when you're done having babies is really important Mm -hmm. because yeah, I mean, Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just saw a PCP this year. (laughs) Really? Full confession. Yeah. Uh I'm just using my OB-GYN. Oh my God. I mean, my baby is three. So See, okay, I feel better about myself now. <laughs> I've been in those childbearing years. So I've yeah, just been using my OB-GYN because too. Because you were seeing your OB-GYN. Yeah. And yeah. do you love him or her? Oh, yeah. Good. See? Okay. Yeah. All right. So you're happy with, with I am so picky when it comes I to I can't my even imagine at all. <laughs> at all. So when I had my second baby, we were in small town America. I was doing a rural health commitment. And I was like, who would move mountains to save my life and my baby? That's who I'm going to see. Wow. Really? Shout out to Kaywin Carter. <laughs> Here in Fort Worth? No, we're no. in Lufkin. Oh, yeah. you're in Lufkin. Oh, my goodness. Yee. Okay. And you were over there. So you were serving your t- your rule time. You did my rule. What did you call it? Rule commitment. Rule health commitment. Well, did you have to? Is that a thing with, with physicians? Or is uh, that, do you? No, but I contracted. So I grew up in a small town and my primary care doctor told my mom, hey, you should tell Carolyn to look into this. And it, it's through the state of Texas. They have a rural health program. So you have to find your community to um, contract with. So I met, met, scratch that. <laughs> went and met with hospital CEO right. and showed interest in the community. And so they paid for half of my medical school oh. and the state paid for the other half. So nice. I owed four years of service. Nice. Okay. That so that's one way to yes. pay for medical school if you want to achieve your dreams and don't know how to get there. That is fantastic. Isn't that, that a, what a great opportunity on both sides. Absolutely. Where did you grow up? What small town? Livingston. Livingston. Mm-hmm. Okay. I know. Lake town. I know exactly where that is. Yeah. I mean, lake property there for me. I grew up in Wortham, which is, but, oh gosh, it's, it's, it's in the tri-county area, Freestone County, halfway between Houston and Dallas. So very small. Okay. My sister's in rural health. Okay. And it is difficult to find doctors to come to rural, rural America. Right. right. Across right. the board. And so, yeah, I get it. I listen to her all the time. And, and uh, she said, it's, it's, a, it's a struggle. But that makes sense. Absolute sense. Good. Wow. Okay. All right. So let me talk to you about something that I feel... I, f- I feel guilty for saying this, but I'm going to say it because I don't think everyone is honest with herself. Um, I love my baby and I love my daughter. And um, I have one child for, for a couple of reasons. But the main reason was I had, I did not have a good pregnancy. I was not fun being pregnant. And I feel guilty for saying that, but I threw up for eight, nine months. I was puffy. I was, I didn't gain a lot of weight, but I was constantly puffy. I, you know, it just wasn't fun. I had sciatic the whole time. But then I look at these women that go, oh, it's so beautiful. I have, I just love being pregnant. Did you love being pregnant? You were pregnant four times. God, no. (laughs) I mean, the first time I was, 
of course, excited. And I was a lot younger. I was 26 whenever I had my first baby. And so it was a lot easier. (laughs) It was a lot easier, but nothing about it was comfortable. I mean, the nausea, the breast enlargement, the rib cage expansion, the pelvic pressure, like all of it. Nobody tells you how uncomfortable it is. The back pain, the sciatic pain, nobody tells you. Wow. I mean, it's a beautiful experience and I love all my children and obviously I chose to do it again. But I remember those days like sitting in my car going, is it really worth it to go into clinic today? I know. (laughs) I'm so nauseous. Nothing fits. Mm -mm. Yeah. Mm -mm. Super uncomfortable. So yeah, coming full circle, it's so beautiful for me to be able to help women really enjoy their pregnancy. Do you have a percentage that enjoy it versus not so much? Or is everyone just saying that because they're expected to say that? And I know I have a friend that has tried and tried and tried to get pregnant and and she can't and or hasn't hasn't been able to. And they've been trying for years. And I I feel guilty saying that to them because, you know, you know. Well, I mean, just because you don't enjoy being pregnant doesn't mean that you're not grateful to be growing your family. Right. So let's just take a step back and yes. let go of the guilt. Right. Um, and yes, infertility is a whole other ball game mm. of emotions mm. and, you know, just physical, emotional drain. Um, but most the women that I'm seeing at Sky Women's Health are coming to me for solutions for their back and pelvic pain in pregnancy and postpartum or neck pain. Right. I find that so many women have either had a horseback riding accident or had a car accident or maybe gymnastics or maybe they're just uncomfortable being pregnant, Mm -hmm. you know, and so they're coming to me for solutions. And so I do a full body osteopathic adjustment customized to their needs, whatever it is that's really ailing them and help them feel better and teach them stretches to help keep those muscles lengthened so they're not getting right back out of alignment when they walk out of my office. And within two to three visits, they're feeling great. I mean, that's what a gift. <laughs> I keep I keep going back to that. I'm just amazed yeah. because I think just the uncomfortable, we can't turn over. Kennedy was breech. Mm-hmm. And that was back in, gosh, when I was pregnant, she was born in 99. So we could, I thought I could find like a voodoo nurse. And let me tell you, I looked everywhere in Dallas for one. And I did. There was old candles over my belly and she, you know, <laughs> she's probably turning over and putting her thumb in her mouth. And, you know, her dad and I would watch her. She would just move. And I'm like, there she goes. She's going to turn, going to turn. And I begged my doctor, please turn her, please. I want to have a vaginal birth. I was begging him. He's like, no. They didn't try an external cephalic version? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And he said, this is what he said now. This is many, many years ago. You're too small. Well, well you're going to pay for this down the line. So I had a C-section. So he made a decision for you. Yes. That you were going to have a C-section because your pelvis was too small. Correct. Correct. Without ever having a trial. See, I have a point here. That yes. is not shared decision yes. making. Yes. And she was to be born on, now I don't think this, 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 this person's in, practice anymore. We're not going to talk about that, but he made the decision. She was born, she was to be born on May 5th, Cinco de Bio. And I thought, how fun. Oh my gosh, this is going to be so fun. This is great. Cause I had such a crappy pregnancy. He decided that he had a golf tournament and we were going to go the week before. So she was born on April 29th. For his convenience. This is true. It's true. It's true. And he told me that. Wow. Dr. Morris, he told me that. Would you just kind of not say that and say, you know, you're going to schedule here and 
not a golf tournament in California. No. <laughs> so no. anyway, so see how my pregnancy was just a little like, ugh. yeah, I believe every woman deserves a joyful pregnancy. Mm-hmm. You know, I want women to really enjoy their pregnancy and their postpartum experience, enjoy their newborn on their own terms. And so, and I am all about staying active in pregnancy because I swam and ran and biked through my pregnancies. And so I love encouraging women in that regard because they so often feel like, oh, I, I can't do this anymore. Right. Well, no, being active in pregnancy, exercise in pregnancy actually really benefits your pregnancy. Does it really? Because oh, yeah. people that, I, and I worked out, I taught aerobics until the night before. I love he it. He left for his golf tournament. I taught, <laughs> I did. It was back with the thong, the thong uh, leotards were popular. It worked perfectly. It worked great for me because you know, everything was forward, but that thong was being pulled. But um, honestly, it, it I exercised the whole time, the entire time. I'm just getting a visual image of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you imagine? With the big belly, the oh, increased yeah. lumbar oh, lordosis. Yeah. Oh, it was a pretty, thong. it was a beautiful thing. I'm telling you, can you imagine? I need a picture. <laughs> It was a beautiful thing. So, yeah, I mean, but I exercised the whole time. And honestly, the weight came off very quickly for me. I mean, I'm very good with my food. And, of course, I threw up for eight months. But, you know, I I did. And I have people that today, their doctor tells them not to work out. It's not safe. And well, there's nothing wrong with them. Okay. Now let's. Okay. Well, so I was going to say. You're about to say. Yeah. It absolutely depends on your medical conditions and what complications you might have in your pregnancy. For instance, if you have a placenta previa or you of have course. hypertension, like we're probably not going to have you out exercising. Absolutely right. not. Um, so there are circumstances where we have to be very careful, right? But exercise in pregnancy is phenomenal. Wow. Yeah. That is amazing. Okay, so tell me about you. You test positive for Bert. <laughs> what? There's a lot of things you we, can test positive for exactly. these days. <laughs> what are we testing positive? I'm for? so excited. I tested positive yesterday for my antibodies. I still have antibodies. Oh, congratulations! I know. I feel like a superwoman after COVID. Oh my gosh! So, um, so if 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 you find out you are pregnant. All right. You take the pregnancy test. All right. So when should you make an appointment with your doctor? Let's say you have that, you know, you have a positive pregnancy and then when? Yeah. I'm, when you have a positive pregnancy test, I would probably go ahead and call to get schedules because sometimes it may be, you know, six to eight weeks before they can get you in, but ideally in your first trimester. So is that you know, it? You, can, yeah. you know, I remember waiting. I'm going, gosh, I want to get, because I want to know now like what's going on. And right. I miscarried twice. Right. Um, so there's anxiety. Yeah. There. there was anxiety there, which I have a question about anxiety, but yes. Yes. So if you find out you're pregnant, you need, you need to go right away. Yeah. Identify an OB and go ahead and get in to be seen. I mean, things can happen in early pregnancy as well, know, you know, yeah. like early miscarriages, mm-hmm. like you referred to ectopic pregnancies. So yeah, you want to see somebody early, especially if you've had that happen before. If you've had an ectopic pregnancy before, you're at increased risk for having an ectopic again. Mm-hmm. And so you definitely want to get in with your OB provider in that first trimester. Does um, DNA and genetics fall in this? I mean, like if your mom had uh, miscarriages, could it be, is that, you know what I'm trying to ask here? Yeah, I don't, I don't know of a don't know. genetic link okay. for right. recurrent. Right. My mother didn't, but I yeah. mean, my mom was Catholic and had three kids six years apart. Had sex three times probably. So. 
<laughs> no birth control. I mean, let me tell you. That's because they nursed until they got pregnant again. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Okay. I, I, it's interesting you say that. So people nursing, I'm seeing a little shift with just some of my friend's daughters that's not nursing now. I mean, is that, is that, it's just a choice. Teach their own. Teach their own. That is best. Yeah. yeah. But there is the benefit of lactational amenorrhea where you go without a period while you're um, exclusively breastfeeding. Right. Hmm. That's kind of nice. I guess so. Right. <laughs> yeah. I just asked my friend, are you breastfeeding? She goes, no. Yeah. Okay. But that's the thought that my mom had. Like that, that it was bad. It was not, you know, like it, um, it was socially not acceptable back oh. in the, when was I born? 60s, oh. 65, 70s. Yeah. And I, and I asked this group of women and they're like, because you just wouldn't do that. I'm like, well, you know, you don't have to do it in part, in part, you know, at the grocery yeah. store, you know, and I understand, I understand what they're thinking, but I think it was a social thing that, and I tried to breastfeed Kennedy, but I just couldn't make a match. I was starving her. I couldn't make enough milk. Right. And women beat themselves up about this. We are going all over the place. Boy, we're on the, I mean, let me tell you. Yeah. But uh, yeah, women beat themselves up over milk supply and you know what? You do your best. You hydrate, you sleep as much as you can and you nurse that baby as often. But if baby's still hungry and fussy, you know, you can pump if you're questioning, like, am I making enough milk? The telltale sign is going to be weight gain if baby's gaining weight. Right. So if there is a concern about baby's weight, there's no shame in supplementing. I mean, we have fabulous formulas. We are, you know, very, very fortunate. Mm -hmm. Um, Fed is best. So, I mean, I carried my pump around for years. I had a very love-hate relationship with my pumps because I did feed all my babies and it came naturally to me. I made enough milk to feed a couple of kids. (laughs) That's great, right? That's not everybody's story and it's okay. And I have seen women fall into some deep postpartum depression over nursing. That is best. Give up the mom guilt. It is okay. Right. You know, and we circle around with all of the topics that, and I and I think I've, I've developed the title for this, is definitely Boutique Gynecology because we have hit, I mean, every age group, We even young boys, I didn't realize HPV was a thing for, I, I didn't. And I, I learned more on the podcast. Don't you learn so much? From your guests. Absolutely. I mean, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. But I'm, well, I'm going to have everyone go over to you and see you because I'm so excited that you are providing this care for women in in Fort Worth. I mean, that is just incredible. I mean, congratulations. Thank you. It's a leap of faith. You know, it's, it's scary and exciting to step out of the box of traditional medicine. Yeah. Um, but it's so rewarding to really provide quality evidence-based care that goes beyond our physical ailments. Yeah, right? absolutely. And you, yeah. you care deeply about your patients. I can tell. I do. I do. I mean, I just met you today, but I mean, I can, I feel it. I feel it. Her, I her, her, her eyes light up when we talk about your patients. So oh, thank you. Excited for you. Sky Medical. Sky Women's Health. Yes. And I have Sky Women Podcast, which covers all topics related to life as a woman. It's just our shared lived experiences. And um, you can find me on Instagram at Dr. Carolyn Moyers and at Sky Women's Health and on Facebook. That's right. All that. All the places. All the places. I know. Well, yeah. it is such a pleasure meeting you. Yeah, and you as well. I mean, I'm going to have to, we're, we're, we promise we'll come back and we'll pick one topic 
And we'll just, we'll just, yeah. This is just to wet the taste buds. That's we just right. Talked about a little bit just about a everything. Just a little bit. But I'm so glad that we could provide this for the younger audiences because I think there's questions that need to be answered and they don't know where to go. Absolutely. Yeah. And the thing that I see so often is like, it's been years and they haven't seen anybody. And then it just leads to like worry and fear and uncertainty. No more fear less. Let's get in there and get our check, our screening exams done. Yes. Girls, yeah. empower yourself in many ways that we've talked about for the past hour. Empower yourself. Good grief. We've got this. Now, everyone, please go and rate and review this. And uh, we want to get up in that po Apple podcast world and let us know what you want to hear and follow me at Tiffany C. Blackman on Instagram and Facebook and all of those fabulous platforms. And everyone, take care of yourself and keep being fabulous. Fabulous.